Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at TechAdvisor. I am your host, Dom, uh, joined this week by Lewis and Henry. Oh, hi. Hello. Uh, we have our second entry in the weird phone summer. <laughs> After chatting about a few oddities last week, we are back with a set of three strange bits of phone hardware to talk over. Uh, we are first up going to be talking about HTC's return to the phone market. It's first phone in over a year, the HTC Desire 22 Pro, which is built for the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, then we are going to turn to the Solana Saga, which, it, <laughs> forgive yourself if you haven't heard of the Solana Saga, it was only announced this week. It is the Awesome OV1 or at least it's being made by Osson, and they're not making the OV-1 anymore, but they are making the Solana Saga. It's also a bit weird, aside from the naming and the branding and the companies involved, because this is a Web3 phone. So we have a Metaverse phone, and now we have a Web3 and blockchain phone. Well, for a great start. Uh, the counterpoint to both of those bits of nonsense <laughs> is the Fairphone. So uh, we are going to talk about the Fairphone 4, which Henry has been testing out. And actually, that is an older phone. It came out late last year, but we didn't get our hands on it until fairly recently. And Henry's been reviewing it because we do think Fairphones are pretty interesting. And especially right now, they are, they are a counterpoint to these other two devices and come, come at the industry from a very different place and have very different motives, I guess. And uh, something we'd maybe like to support a little bit more than a blockchain phone. Before that, let's go through some bits and pieces of news from the week, because there are actually some more normal phones on the way that we can talk about as well. Uh, next week, we are getting new Xiaomi hardware, or at least China is. The Xiaomi 12 S series is confirmed to launch on 4th of July. Uh, an interesting date, because it is the kind of more confirmation, if you ever need it, that, that Xiaomi really doesn't care about getting US press anymore, at least not for its Chinese launches. <laughs> Because, yeah, they picked Independence Day. So they are launching three Xiaomi 12S phones, the 12S, 12S Pro, and interestingly, the 12S Ultra. What's really interesting about that is we never had the Xiaomi 12 Ultra. And they've put out a poster of the 12S series, which shows a sort of little hint of the designs. And the design of the 12S Ultra is nothing like all of the leaks we've seen about the 12 Ultra, which looks to have this giant circular camera module that isn't there on the 12S Ultra. So we're getting this 12S series, including the first Ultra, but maybe the 12 Ultra is still its own separate phone on the way later? Really unclear, and maybe we'll find out more on Monday. Uh, the other interesting thing about these phones is they will be the first ones to bear the Leica logo. Um, so this is the official beginning of that Xiaomi Leica partnership. So we'll find out a little bit about how the two companies are going to work together. And I know there's actually also just a lot of speculation as to whether Xiaomi would have persuaded Leica to actually let them use the red button logo. <laughs> because Huawei never did. They had the name on the phones, <laughs> but never actually the Leica logo. And some people think that may be changing with Xiaomi. We'll find out. Um, there is obviously more nothing news. So we've just, we've just got to deal with it. We're just going to, you know, head down, get through it. Um, <laughs> we can all do this together. Uh, the waiting list has gone live for nothing. So we spoke last week about the invite system. That is now there. If you want to get a chance to buy the phone first, um, in kind of the first wave of hardware they send out, you can go to the Nothing website right now, put your name down to be on the waiting list. It is already over 100,000 people. So you probably want to hurry up if you do care about it. Uh, <laughs> you can move up the list by referring your friends and family to sign up and things like that. This is just a way to get a pre-order of the phone from what we can tell. Nothing is still talking about carrier partners and retail partners. So there will be a wider, more normal release of the phone. What we're not sure is kind of exactly when, how long after the launch event you'll be able to just pop into a shop and buy it, whether this pre-order thing will be the only way to get one for months and months and months, or whether it will just sort of guarantee you get one a week before your mate does. So, you know. Yeah, I, I put my name down on the list the day I'm not like I don't actually intend on buying one, um, and it was kind of more out of interest when when you could put your name down. But basically, yeah, there's a hundred thousand people on the list, and I just put my email address in on the first day. Haven't referred anybody, and I'm like sixteen thousandth, which got me a code sent. So even if you weren't oh, nice. even if you weren't like mega fan up front, I think a lot of people are going to be able to get hold of one. You probably still got a chance, yeah. 
Uh, we do also know another couple bits about the phone. Um, nothing has confirmed that it is running the Snapdragon 778G Plus chipset, um, which I know some people will be a bit disappointed by. Kind of interesting, they've, they've also said it's a custom version of this that they work with Qualcomm on, where the customization primarily is to enable wireless charging, because the chip by default does not support wireless charging devices, and they did actually have to work with Qualcomm to get that turned on. Uh, and the other thing not confirmed, but uh, some pretty convincing renders have appeared of a black version of the phone. So if the white finish hasn't done it for you, it looks very likely there's going to be a corresponding black version, which still has the white lights, so the white lights kind of pop a little bit more against the black finish. This isn't really a surprise because they did black versions of the Ear One Buds as well, so it's no shock. Plus, I mean, I think legally you have to release a black phone. Legally. I, I don't know if you're allowed. <laughs> when was it like, yeah, uh, it's in the okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There, Is there anything that's not a black? Poco maybe didn't do a black with the F4. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Couldn't call that mainstream, though. Struggle. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If you're going from gray, mainstream, rather than black. have a black one. <laughs> Uh, My yeah. things were pretty silvery for a bit. Mm-hmm. For a while. And then they went piano black and reversed that straight away. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's <laughs> stop with that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, Infinix, a Hong Kong-based smartphone company who we've talked about a few times. They're not big. They sell a fair few phones in Africa, from my understanding. Big in Egypt. And they are sort of, yeah, big in Egypt. And they are trying to build up European and Asian market share, though I think it's slightly slow going. Uh, they are trying to build their name up a little bit by throwing their weight into fast charging, which has uh, clearly proven itself a great way to generate some headlines by just saying you've built a phone that charges really fast, but no, you can't buy it, it's just in our lap. <laughs> uh, but they have announced a 180-watt Thunder Charge, which what? I've got to admit is a great name. Yeah. So kudos to they them also, for that. You can charge in standard mode or furious mode. <laughs> <laughs> I just way, really angry. Like, no explanation as to what that is or whether that means it goes even faster. But uh, just so you know, furious mode. Just gets really hot and red. <laughs> I mean, they're setting themselves up. With, with Thunder Charge, they're all set up for a Thor 4 tie-in, so they really missed the oh, yeah. boat on that by coming out a week early on that. Um, but maybe maybe they're holding their lockout for the next Fast and Furious film yeah. for an actual phone release that they can uh, you know, <laughs> charge as furiously as Vin Diesel drives or, or something like that. Uh, anyway, yeah, 180 watt charging. That is not the fastest around. Uh, we've seen Xiaomi talk about 200 and Oppo talk about 240 watt. Um, but it is still faster than is actually in any phones. The uh, Realme GT Neo 3 with 150 watt is still, I believe, the fastest you can buy right now. Okay, what else we got? Arm announced their next generation of CPUs and GPUs for mobile. So. This matters because they basically design the chips and cores that Qualcomm, Samsung, and MediaTek tend to go on to use when they put together their own chipsets later in the year. So there are, in a strange way, the more significant for the industry announcement is the more boring one. There are some new CPUs. There's a Cortex-X3, and basically everyone's going to use that. Google will put that in the next 10, so Qualcomm will put it in the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, MediaTek will put it in the Dimensity 10,000 or whatever they decide to call it. Um, so those new CPUs are definitely going to be used all over the shop. They've also announced new GPUs, and the exciting thing there is they've got hardware-enabled ray tracing, which isn't quite a first because Samsung and AMD managed that with their partnership for the Exynos 2200, but we're now seeing them arm roll it as well. In a funny way, this is less interesting because Qualcomm does their own GPU, Samsung does their own GPU, <laughs> so people don't use these as much. MediaTek does, so this probably tells us that the next MediaTek flagship will have hardware-enabled ray tracing. Um, doesn't tell us anything about Snapdragon on the GPU side, though at this point, I think Qualcomm would feel a bit embarrassed to go on stage and announce a GPU that didn't have ray tracing, given yeah. that their two key competitors have now done it. So yeah, this kind of tells us ray tracing is going to be a thing in phones, whether we like it or not. Though um, I think it's fair to say Going by what's happened with the Exynos, there's not a lot of support out there anyway. It's in that same space as ultra-high refresh rate displays where there's a bit of a spec race in name alone, perhaps. Yeah, And it 100%. just doesn't really matter a jot. Um, it's all working in the reverse order. On, on sort of the PC gaming side, people were building games that no hardware could run. Uh, now we've got the other side, which is hardware is being made that no games can <laughs> are complicated enough to demand. <laughs> 
Uh, final bit of news today, and then we go on to the actual phones. The Mont Blanc uh, Summit 3, which I think we spoke about before, which is a, a new Wear OS 3 device, will be the first non-Samsung Wear OS 3 device. One little tidbit has come out this week, which is interesting, which is it supports iOS. And that is important for a company like Mont Blanc, because they're a third-party watch manufacturer, and they don't want to be tied down to one of the two uh, phone operating systems. But it's just interesting because the Galaxy watches didn't have any iOS offering, even though previous gens had. And there was at least some thought that maybe that's kind of baked into Wear OS 3 and Google was putting its foot down and making these really Android-only wearables. But apparently not. Wear OS 3 is capable of working with iPhones, so we'll probably expect most Wear OS 3 devices to be iPhone-friendly going forward. Uh, but you could see Samsung and probably Google still trying to uh, dig their heels in and drag people over to Android. Cool. All right, let's talk Metaverse. Uh, yeah, that's about how I feel about the whole thing as well. But yeah. um, well, it's kind of, yeah. I can call it yeah. the Viverse, if you prefer. It's, it's more, it's it more interesting in a way than HTC made it look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, given what was on offer. But sorry, sorry, Dom, go ahead. Yeah, so the HTC Desire 22 Pro, which is a fascinatingly clunky Ugh. and sort of generational name for a phone that could be positioned as a grand comeback yeah. and be a fresh... For well, a fresh at, at, least they, at least they have the foresight not to position it as that. We just need yes. to pour one out for HTC, because <laughs> even like five years ago, they were still like decent phones, HTC 10. Yeah. U11 was great. Yeah. Uh, and I reviewed the U12 Plus, which started to go downhill when it had those fake buttons. Uh, but the, cam the camera was mm. so good. And I was like, maybe, maybe. But yeah, now, what have we got? Uh, yeah, what, what, what have we got, Dom? <laughs> Mid-range. kind of weird phone. Uh, 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 well, what's weird about it is that it's not that weird. It's a really normal mid-range yes. phone. It's uh, £400 in the UK. And I mean, I'm shocked it's getting a UK launch because definitely when we spoke about it before, I, I, I have to, you know, eat a slice of humble pie or whatever here because I said in no uncertain terms that this phone was not coming to the UK. <laughs> but here it is. It's getting a UK launch. It's getting a European launch. This is, they're trying to go wide with this thing. Um, it's a really bog standard looking mid-range device that you would normally wonder why on earth is HTC trying to make this? Why if they come back to an industry they basically gave up on and also just put out a phone that's really similar to a lot of other stuff that's out there and not particularly exciting. Except they are trying to use it to tie into their um, their Vive series of VR headsets and specifically in this case the Vive Flow. And the basic hook is they think the Desire 22 Pro is the best phone to connect up to your Vive Flow headset so that if you are a Flow owner, this is the phone you should buy. You can stream content from the phone to the headset and all this kind of stuff. Um, Henry and Lewis, <laughs> you respectively know more about the phones and the headsets than I do. Um, a lot of that is a load of junk, isn't it? That this is the best device for doing that. It's a load of guff. To put it nicely, Please ex can you explain uh, the whole thing about like DRM protected content because it's a little bit confusing, but it's worth explaining. Yeah, yeah, cool. <clears throat> so uh, let's just pre uh, preface this by saying that the Vive Flow is compatible with some phones, not a lot, but some let's phones. Let's there's, a, there's a, there's a growing list. Even further, which is what is the Vive Flow? Because it's actually a little bit okay. different to the other Vive yeah. VR headsets, right? Okay, it's not quite yeah. the same thing. Let's let, yeah. Let's pull this back a little bit because there isn't anything quite like it uh, at the moment. It is one of a kind. Whether it's a one of a kind thing you actually want is a different story, <laughs> but it's one of a kind. Um, so yeah, it, so instead of uh, instead of kind of going down the standalone route like Facebook's done with the uh, with the Quest, uh, and then obviously they've also uh, HTC's already got its PC VR stuff. So it's like right. Well, what can we do? What can we do? Their answer is immersive glasses. Um, so they are. A, it's basically still a headset. It's got your, you've got your mounted displays within this uh, headset that looks like a pair of ski goggles, mm. kind of sunglasses, kind of very flashy. They, they do look cool. I mean, cool. I think they look like mm. enormous bug eyes. Pretty yeah, they remind me of something that a superhero <laughs> yeah. would wear. Yeah, like a Marvel <laughs> superhero. And the, the, it's funny because they, they literally say that this is for like use on trains and planes. And I'm like, I would never, <laughs> never wear that on, in public, but whatever. Um, so yeah, the idea is that 
it's it's a lightweight VR experience, um, so they can keep the headset weight down and stuff like that. So it is genuinely comfortable to wear. It is nice. That's the one thing they have got really, they did quite well, is that it's not that front heavy. Uh, it's got kind of normal arms on the sides with a cable running out the back, which is annoying, but it's got normal arms, which means you can just pop them on your head when you're not using them, uh, which is cool, whatever. Uh, so the big thing about it is that, A, it's not as powerful as the Quest. Uh, it's running Snapdragon's XR1, uh, and the Quest has the XR2, and there were huge uh, jumps in performance between those two, so that's, that's key. Um, but the bigger thing is that it doesn't have a battery. That's how they keep this thing so light. Uh, what you need instead is to plug in either a power pack or your phone if it supports reverse wireless charging via USB-C. Um, fine. Some people can live with that. It's cool. So when you've done the headset, you've got two, it's basically split into two. It's run like a, a custom version of Android. You've got the Vive Store with uh, their VR experiences and stuff like that. And then you've got your phone mirroring, which I think is the more interesting and the thing that more people want to use. Because the, the, I use the VR experiences and they are probably close to like Google Daydream level, like 2016 right. VR experiences. Yeah. Like they're, they're, it's fixed um, and it's just a bit naff, to be honest. Like I, I didn't spend more than 20, 25 minutes using it the whole time I used the flow. It's just bad. Anyway, um, so yeah, the main thing is this uh, connecting to your smartphone and viewing your smartphone from within VR. Uh, so, cause that means that you've then got access to everything on your phone, uh, including all your apps and, uh, and videos and photos and stuff like that. And that's where this becomes interesting. Um, because the way that HTC has integrated this, they haven't gone down the route of just simply plugging in a USB uh, port into your phone and then mirroring that display to the headset, which is what other people have done. They are using Miracast um, to wirelessly transmit to from your phone to the headset. Um, and specifically, um, because of DRM protected stuff on the likes of Netflix. Uh, so for those that don't know, DRM protection means that you can't like stream it in other places because it's it's uh, protected content and they don't want you to you know screen record it and and distribute it so they keep that stuff on lock uh, but with um, DCHP 2.2 I think it's called um, yeah that is allowed within apps like Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff like that so it means essentially that if you've got this latest um, software on your phone and you've got the Vive Flow. You can watch Disney Plus, you can watch Netflix, or stuff on like a hundred a hundred inch uh, dis virtual display in front of you. And you can also interact with your phone using a pointer. So you can change apps and uh, you know see your notifications, all that kind of stuff, which is what you wouldn't be able to do if it was just a standard USB-C connection into the bottom, into the headset itself. Annoyingly, that's also the big bottleneck for the Vive Flow, is this uh, is this support for the, the updated HD HDCP. Um, and that's what's causing a lot of issues with the, with the headset. So essentially, it's not compatible with iPhones at all. No iPhones. If you've got an iPhone, you're out. Uh, and on the Android side, yeah, there's a list of phones on the HTC website. Uh, it was smaller when I reviewed it. It's slowly getting larger, I suppose, as they're testing more phones and stuff like that. Um, but there's no, there's no rule of thumb. It's not like if you buy a flagship phone, this will work. Some mid-range phones work. Some flagship phones work. Other flagships don't. Like I tried it with the, um, with the, uh, the Oppo Find X5 Pro. Just did not want to play with nice with it. So, so um, what what does HTC say the Desire Twenty Two Pro can do that others can't? So yeah, this is this is why they're kind of marketing it as the perfect phone for the Vive is because it does have the HDCP two. I really hate saying this over and over again. <laughs> it has that built in. Uh, so it, it essentially it plays nice with the Vive Flow, but the issue is it doesn't do anything that any of the other supported smartphones do. And that's the problem because the, the main issue that I've had with the Vive Flow is that the controller system is crap because it uses your phone. Mm. It's it's like Google Daydream. The, the you know the uh, it's just a, it's, it's a laser pointer with no real tracking. It just does rotation in in the virtual mm. space. So if you move your hand, it won't move the controller, and that itself is jarring. Um, and that is yeah, all the reviews of the Vive Flow say the same thing. The controller system is jank, and we all thought that this was going to be their way of integrating something a little bit better for the Vive Flow. Mm -hmm. So maybe even just if you flip the back, there's a couple of hardware buttons that you can use as, as the pointers. Because the main the problem is with a phone controller, it's all on your screen and you've got a headset on. You can't look down at your phone to see where on the screen these buttons are. Mm -hmm. So you need something tactile, something like that. And that's, that's genuinely what I thought the Vive Flow was going to be. It was going to bring better tracking somehow to the controllers yep. and give you dedicated controls. But instead, it's just another mid-range phone. <laughs> It's very, very odd that all it offers is the same thing that 
a slightly random selection of other phones offer. And all it saves you from is going to HTC's website to check their list of compatible phones to find I out just, if yours is on it. I'm that's, so confused. That's the advantage. <laughs> it's uh, not built for the, the metaverse and the viveverse, all the all the crappy verses that are coming. It's don't <laughs> no. forget the hype. It is lies. <laughs> it's the closest it gets to that side of it. Is it is also pre-installed with a few of the sort of oh, HTC well. Vive apps. But again, um, these are, you know, it's it's not exclusive apps from what I understand. Yeah, these are you just, just go on the, the uh, Google Play and install the same them. apps you could get anywhere. And of course, for the most part, we tend to moan about pre-installed apps and which phones would yes. have fewer of them. Exactly. Not more. Uh, so if you're not interested in the VR uh, side of it, then this will actually feel like a, a negative. Mm. And um, if you are interested in the VR side of it, give your head a wobble because there are better things <laughs> to spend your money on. <laughs> It's also a challenge because if you set all that aside, it's not a great-looking mid-range phone no. in terms of the, the specs for the price. It's uh, £400, pounds, €450, Euros, give or take, but it's got an LCD display rather than OLED. It's got a Snapdragon 695 5G, which is really a budget chip, and we've seen that in much cheaper phones. It doesn't come with loads of RAM or storage. Um, that uh, 64 megapixel main camera might be okay, yeah. but probably nothing special. Down by so the if you set aside well. the Viver side, sort of the specs you're getting for the price don't particularly uh, impress. In fact, the, the, the thing that jumps out that's like, oh, that's really good for that price, is an IP67 rating, which wow. the Galaxy A53 has, but not many other phones on the Android side around that price offer that. Yeah. But then you sort of say, well, why, why on earth of all the things, all the specs they wanted to prioritise? Why the IP rating? Yeah. Why have they spent all the money on an IP rating rather than giving it a better chip? It's all very weird. Yeah. I mean, Maybe like, they didn't want to give it a better chip on purpose because the whole spiel around the Vive Flow is that you don't need a high-powered phone to use this. Right. So oh, they were right. like, right, let's purposely underpower this so that we can show <laughs> that the Vive Flow is capable. I don't. I, I honestly. It also follows Dom's well, uh, theory that yeah, you can. Uh, you have to release a black phone. It's only available in black in uh, in the in the West. <laughs> There's like a nicer looking kind of chromey one. That I presume is Asia only. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you say, it's very strange. Um, it comes with Android 12, but I would not. Uh, think that HTC would give it any software updates. The last few HTC phones have been pretty much stuck on the one or two uh, Android updates and it's not, it's not a good yeah. investment if you're looking for a new phone, particularly when yeah that, that list that Lewis was referring to has a lot of Samsung devices on it uh, not just yeah. the flagships um, and then also we've... Yeah, you can get some pretty affordable Samsungs that will support this Yeah, phone, exactly. So. And then also like, you know, we think that, you know, the Pixel 6a is probably going to be a good phone for the same price um, so if you're an Android fan at that price like you're not going to be buying this. No. The other thing that's really weird about the whole the whole thing here is I kind of mentioned the name is a bit odd for HTC, kind of coming back first phone in ages, and they called it the Desire 22 Pro, which, you know, makes it sound like it's just the, you know, third phone Another in a one. range that they've been updating regularly, which it just <laughs> isn't. But why isn't it called the Vive phone? Yeah. Or, yeah. or what, something to that effect. It, when the whole hook is, this is, uh, you know, the optimum phone for connecting to your Vive Flow, this is... The Flow Mobile. Flow Mobile. Why is there no Vive branding anywhere near this? It's really, really strange. It that, just seems... Because that's what they are now. That's HTC, HTC is Vive in, in terms yeah. of their consumer-facing stuff in the West. That's the big brand they have, that people know, mm -hmm. that people care about, is, is Vive. The phone is meant to tie in there. There's not even, as far as I can tell, a, a little Vive yeah. logo on the back of I, it. I was also thinking like about this, and I think the best I could come up with was that in its native Taiwan, there's probably still a bit of a following for HTC, and it's probably mm -hmm. already done a Desire. Um, they're probably going to release this as a Desire phone anyway, which is where the last few ones have come out, and then they've kind of thought, oh, yeah. we found some money somewhere to market this in Europe, <laughs> so we'll suggest that for that thing that we've got over there. I can't think of another reason why it wouldn't have the branding like you say. Uh, no. I just... Yeah, this whole thing's really confusing. I just, I genuinely don't get how when they get feedback of the Vive Flow and the big issue of compatibility, they're like, right, we'll just make a phone that makes it work with it then. So, no, it's not. Maybe just make it <laughs> work with more phones. <laughs> People aren't going to buy the headset. It costs five hundred pounds, should I say? So it's five hundred pounds. Mm. That's for, for reference. That's two hundred pounds more expensive than the Quest Two that does more and better. Mm -hmm. It's also a bit unclear. And then you then. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you have to then buy the Vivephone, which is another mm. 400 pounds. So who's paying 900 quid on this setup for a, a lightweight VR experience that isn't as powerful as what you can get for a quarter of the price? It's, it's unclear as well who, who's designing these HTC phones. I mean, if we if we dug around, we could probably find out. But given that HTC was, um, you know, Google bought up basically, what do they call it? Like an yeah, aqua hired their, uh, their phone division several years ago and then push towards these pixel sixes that we're probably seeing now is probably some of that team's work there's no wonder that there's <laughs> not much imagination going into these new phone designs <laughs> no it's it's yeah very unclear where these are being made who buy and and why from an hc perspective you know why they're still plugging away at this uh, this very very competitive market that they really got forced out of and then as you say sold sold everything they had that kept them in the market or the bit they had of value, uh, it's it's a little odd. I don't know if they are just selling enough of them in Taiwan to kind of justify uh, carrying on in what little so way maybe they can. just to be positive on the whole thing. Let's just go with that. Yeah, <laughs> someone's got to be buying them somewhere. Hopefully, it's big in Taiwan. <laughs> All right, let's talk about another weird phone with another set of baffling corporate decisions <laughs> behind it. The Solana Saga uh. is now set to be the debut phone from the Web3 slash blockchain slash crypto company Solana, a company I'll admit I had never heard of before this week. It kind of is, and also kind of isn't, the Osom OV1, which is a, a separate phone that was going to be the debut phone from the startup Osom, which was formed by some people who'd previously worked on Essential, a startup that released a phone. <laughs> they had previously worked on other stuff. So there's this kind of chain of people going off and trying to do their own thing and coming up with just one phone and then, and then moving on to the next company. Awesome didn't even get as far as releasing the OV1, but we had sort of seen photos of it. They talked about specs and a couple of really interesting features that we'll talk about, particularly this kind of very special USB-C cable that... Um, uh, actually had a lot going for it, and this was kind of this privacy-focused Android phone was the pitch. Um, and yeah, for reasons we don't entirely understand, Osom has stopped making the OV1, but is now making the Solana Saga, which will be the first Web3 Android phone. Um, Henry, what... I was about to ask you, <laughs> what does that mean? I think a better question is, what do you think that means? Okay, so, yes. Solana is a blockchain Web3 company. Web3 is kind of not exactly a thing yet. Like we have the internet and it was, you know, it was referred to as Web1 and, you know, Web2 is the evolution of the first internet. And then Web3 is what um, blockchain bros uh, refer to as like the next thing, like the decentralized internet where you'll, you know, you'll be able to, bear with me, Lewis, um, where you'll be able to, you know, trade <sighs> crypto and, you know, digital assets, NFTs uh, on the blockchain. So, I can't profess to be more of an expert than that, but that is what the idea is. But at the moment, if you want to get involved in that, what is actually quite a real world of, um, you know, NFTs and uh, digital assets, you have to be engaged in a web browser. You have to be sitting at a computer. This is kind of how I could best distill it. And what this phone is saying it is, it's made by a company that hopes you will, you know, <laughs> get on their particular blockchain, uh, is that you'll be able to mint NFTs and trade in cryptocurrencies um, and that market from an Android phone, not through a browser, but it's built into the stack that Solana makes. And then it appears, although we haven't actually had confirmation, that they have either bought into or are partnering with OSOM, OSOM, uh, to make this phone. So when this came out, OSOM tweeted that you know it was proud to support the solana saga when which was announced on stage in new york and uh, they didn't actually say you know by the way we're not making our phone anymore because uh some random guy just tweeted saying oh so this is as well as your phone right and they just tweeted back mm. saying very it read very somberly it was like the awesome <laughs> ov1 is now the solana saga full stop something like something like that <laughs> i think that's exactly it. and yeah so uh, as recently as april as dom was referring to the company which is actually called awesome uh privacy i believe the actual full name of the company and it does it that does other things right. other than the the phone that now long no, no longer exists and they had some very interesting ideas about privacy osom stands for out of sight out of mind because they thought that rather than like you know uh, a feature privacy should just happen so they had that cable which they 
tweeted pictures of that was going to go with the phone. It had a physical switch so you could turn data transfer on and off. So if you were charging in like a weird place or an airport or something, you know, you weren't going to get rumbled. So these some cool ideas and stuff like that. And they got as far as like having interviews with other press saying that the phone was going to be sub $1,000 and that it was coming soon. Yeah. And now the phone is not going to happen. And as recently as April when they were tweeting about it, now they are putting all of their ideas and and phone into a into a blockchain company so something's gone on here and we're not we're not sure we're not sure what it is and interestingly as don was uh, saying and maybe you could pick up was that uh, it actually even has different specs as far as we can tell yeah so so i mean awesome hadn't really revealed a detailed spec sheet for the ov1 i don't think they'd hinted at specs and talked about specific things that privacy cable they'd said it would be um uh, stainless steel body and yeah stuff they, like they'd shown pictures of it, it yeah a, yeah, and we'd seen pictures and sort of seen the the rear camera and stuff like that, but they hadn't given a full spec sheet. What they had said is it would be, as as you said, well sub a thousand dollars. Now they're saying of the saga, it has an quote anticipated final cost of one thousand dollars, though they haven't given a final price, but it'll be in that region. So it's definitely more expensive. Um, but they have also now told us some specs, which just don't sound like what the OV one was going to end up as. Um, so we've got a Snapdragon eight plus Gen one. 6.67 inch OLED display, 12 gigs of RAM, and half a terabyte of storage, which is a you know a pretty high end spec sheet, and yeah. that justifies shooting for a, a, a grand in price. Um, but that doesn't sound anything like what Awesome were pitching their phone as. So what? Which part of I guess what's curious is it, it definitely doesn't sound like all they're doing is taking the phone they were already building and slapping a new logo on the back and then throwing in this kind of new new software layer with, with the Web3 stuff, it very much sounds like they have scrapped the phone they were building. They're now building a different phone, no doubt using some of that work already, but you know that it is not the same device that it was. Um, and it raises a lot of questions. I mean, one of the obvious ones is, why not both? We, you know, we don't have an answer to that. But it's not clear from the outside why Osom couldn't continue to make the OV-1, which was attracting some buzz and some interest, and who knows whether it would have gone on and really been enough to, uh, you know, keep keep them afloat in a, what's a difficult market, and I don't think they'd attracted nothing level buzz, which, you know, maybe was part of what made them nervous, but still, it was getting some attention. It's not clear why that seems to have been canned in favour of the saga, mm. rather than it being an influx of new cash to build Two yeah, I wouldn't be so, like speaking of nothing. We could talk maybe a bit about hype and about money, because uh, it's definitely a, more of an exclusive launch for this. Well, I mean, given of obviously the fact that not everyone is into crypto, uh, you can put down a one hundred US dollar refundable deposit, but you have to get a Solana wallet, which involves joining their blockchain, you know, and setting up a crypto wallet, and then pay for it that way. And then you can you can buy in, and you're also getting preference if you're a developer because they also need people to build on this platform. It's not it's one thing for the stack to exist, but then they actually need people to build on it beyond the kind of uh, uh, functionality that they're suggesting it can do. Um, so so yeah, there's that. And then also, I mean, it, it could just be because if you you know what's more hyped at the moment than cryptocurrency, and you know it's going through a bit of a downturn at the moment but you know people selling <laughs> selling nfts for millions of dollars you know if, they, if there's a hype train to get on it i think it still is crypto and if this company can come in and get a thousand dollars a unit um for a, for a phone then they're probably going to be making some kind of profit i can't think of why else os awesome sorry would suddenly mm -hmm. go and do this if it wasn't going to make them loads of money <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, to some level, that's going to be the explanation for any corporate move, right? It's, <laughs> they think it's going to make them loads of money. Um, it's it's a long play, in a sense, because the Osom, the OV-1 was due to come out this year, whereas the Saga, they're now predicting, will be Q1 of next year. So if you do want to put, put your 100 bucks down for one, you are going to be waiting at least six months before you get a phone. Um, that does, of course, mean you're also banking that uh, the crypto bubble will will last another six months from now, which uh, you probably will. But, you know. It's all very yeah. strange. I couldn't think of another example, really, where <clears throat> a company recently has pivoted that quickly, unless unless Awesome ran out of money to develop this phone and had to suddenly mm -hmm. find a suitor. Um, and maybe, yeah. They sold it as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, it's just a very strange one. It was a strange. It was a strange one anyway. Um, and it was probably going to be a niche device. 
I imagined personally it was going to be US only like the essential phone was. But then Solana is saying that this is like US, UK, Canada and somewhere else, I think, as well. And Europe. And just Europe in general. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of Europe, at least. Yeah. Monkey NFTs for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, it's a niche. But I guess if you're picking a niche that has a lot of money in right now, then yes, crypto makes sense. And there is a natural, rightly or wrongly, there is a natural connection between privacy-minded, the sort of person who might mm-hmm. buy a privacy-focused phone yeah. and the sort of person who might buy a, a blockchain phone. There is definitely going to be some overlap there. Yep. Um, and kind of the, the techie, people techie enough to be buying a phone from a, from a startup who care about exactly. privacy and, and care about crypto. Yeah. There's, that there's a healthy Venn diagram there, and I can see how they might see that as, as ripe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they were saying that, yeah, obviously the phone, well, not obviously, it wasn't obvious to me, <laughs> but the, the phone <laughs> will have like two different uh, enclaves, one of a better word, where, you know, you'll, you'll have a secure one, uh, which can still interface with parts of the internet for trading purposes for, for digital assets, but then it won't necessarily be able to even communicate with the more open Android side of things. So, you know, yeah, as you say, probably some expertise at Awesome can, can make that happen on the new phone. Yeah. There are a couple of other like bits we don't know that are, I guess may be interesting that we don't know, which is we don't know what this phone is going to look like. Saga have kind of shown shown a bit of it from the front, but Oslan had shown off the rear of the OV1. We, you know, we knew what the back of that phone was going to be, and we do not know what the back of the Saga is. So that suggests that's undergoing some sort of redesign, and they're, they're, they're tinkering with that. The other thing we don't know is that... that privacy-focused USB cable we were talking about earlier, they haven't, as far as I know, confirmed it either way, whether that's sticking around as part of the uh, the Saga's offering, which I would expect it will, because it's interesting enough, and it's, as I said, there's still a privacy crossover with, with blockchain, and, and you could see that it's another hook that they've got, and they've already put the work into developing it. But, yeah, we'll have to see, because we don't know for sure if the cable is surviving the Saga. Okay, let's move on from that. Uh, let's talk about the Fairphone, which is kind of the uh, the, the yin to the Solana Saga's <laughs> yang. Uh, one phone is, you know, I mean, we, we, we didn't touch on it at all, but, you know, crypto is dreadful for the environment. Yes. And that isn't changing anytime soon. The Fairphone is trying to take the opposite approach. It is all about sustainability and all about something we, we talk about a lot more these days, which is that idea of longevity in a handset. The you know the pitch for the Fairphone, as close as they can get it, is that you buy the one phone and you can use it for years and years and years and years, rather than swapping the whole thing out every two years. Uh, the downside to, to their pitch and the way they sort of they also there's, there's a lot of other decisions they make around making it an ethical phone, and the problem with being ethical is it costs more money. So. <laughs> The specs you get for the price have always tended to lag a bit, and that's been the challenge with Fairphones in years past, is there's a great idea there that will appeal to a lot of people, but you do have a big compromise you have to make from a technical perspective if you want to jump on board the ethical side of the company. Um, Henry, you've been testing the Fairphone 4, which came out, I think, in September last year. Uh, is that is that compromise still there as a buyer? Are you still kind of making on some level a, 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 a technical sacrifice? I think it to, to do, do a bit of I good. Mean, yeah, and just before I get into that, yeah, everything you said was true. But the other thing to think about when it comes to what Fairphone is doing is that it's it's also kind of like a supply chain company uh, in how it's ethical as well. Because what they're trying to get people to think about, and, and it did make me think about it more than I have uh, previously, is that it's not just about what you as the consumer get or are buying into. It's also how you're benefiting the people who have made the phone in the first place. Because uh, it's probably a debate for another day or later on uh, in five or ten minutes or so. But as much as you know, Samsung and Apple can say, we didn't put a charger in the box, green leaf on our box or whatever, um, it still you know, mines the precious metals in, or, and you know, we can go... You can go back and see of all the horrific conditions that people in Foxconn factories have to have to endure. But what Fairphone says it does is the price that you're paying, as you referred to, is also going towards people being paid fairly at every point in the supply chain for mm-hmm. this phone and the uh, materials that they use all being sourced ethically as well. So it is kind of um, going towards that good side of things as well. But yes, you are correct in terms of uh, te- technical things. If you're a techie, you might be disappointed with a Snapdragon 750G, which does get you 5G uh, for for video 
uh, watches. The phone is also quite plain. <laughs> there is a nice green Just one. a little bit. <laughs> it's a nice green one and like a speckled green one as well, which is cool. Uh, the the grey one, which I have here, which is the, the lower specced one, is uh, 500 euros, I believe. Uh, not much to write home about, but that's kind of the point. Um, it's quite a thick phone as well. It's pretty heavy. Um, and it's got a 6.3 inch Full HD uh, plus screen uh, and doesn't come with a charger in the box. Uh, as you might imagine. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, so yes, you are paying uh, quite a lot of money up front, but the best thing about it is the warranty. So if you buy it before 31st of December this year, because obviously it's been out for a little while now, but that would have been you know over 12 months since it came out. If you buy before yeah. the last day of this year, you get a five-year warranty on it, um, which is guaranteed. And then you also get software support, at least monthly security updates, uh, which is what that is referring to until the end of 2025. Uh, and they are also aiming for to actually cover it with, uh, I'm trying to get this right, quarterly patches until the end of 2027. Uh, so 2025 okay. is the promise, okay. which is pretty good considering that will be four years uh, from its 2021 launch. Uh, and then it could go up to six, which I think would make it the best supported Android phone you can get yeah. pretty much. That's like Apple Apple oh, yeah, levels of software support. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing about it is, oh, I won't do this on video, uh, but I'm writing my review at the moment and spent <laughs> quite a bit of time yesterday unscrewing the back of the phone. Because when you take the back off, it's ah. actually quite, it looks really nice. I, <laughs> I think they should actually do a transparent one because this actually looks quite cool underneath. Uh, they, they've made it look pretty. Um, it's not just kind of like weird components everywhere. You take the back off, you can take the battery out just with your fingers. Uh, and then what isn't included in the box, but what Fairphone did send me was an iFixit branded uh, screwdriver. And then you can un you can undo <laughs> all the little screws. Uh, yesterday, I like took out the cameras. I took out, um, yeah, like the, the speaker at the bottom as well. And then put it all back together again and, you know, took a picture to make to prove that uh, I, even I could do it. And it's all very modular. <laughs> it does. It's not like soldering involved or anything. You just unclip the little connectors and... Yeah, you look back on their website and they still sell batteries and components for Fairphone 1 and 2. There are fewer for those phones than they're still there for Fairphone 3. But, for example, my, my sister-in-law had a Fairphone 2. If, if her battery is shot now because it came out years and years ago, you can go on and it was £13.50 to buy a Fairphone 2 battery, which wow. is quite reasonable. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's the really important side of this sort of thing that people forget. I mean, I remember when Alienware introduced a modular gradable laptops a few yeah. a few years ago yeah. and you know it was a kind of cool idea but within a year they were not releasing parts for it and you mm -hmm. couldn't do it anyway and so it's sort of it's absolutely pointless if having repairability and having modularity is only great if there's actually a, a support for that and it'd be very easy to to see them just stopping to bother stocking those parts for the older devices yeah but it's great that years on they still got those which does hopefully indicate that years on from now they'll still have batteries for the full yeah and it'll be interesting for me to see whether they do a Fairphone 5 anytime soon because I, I guess before they were trying to get up to the point where the phone was modern enough they were some of there were still micro usb <laughs> yeah. not too long ago on some of these phones whereas this one is 5g yeah. it's got usb-c it can charge at 30 watts um you know it's a bit like a tank like will they put more resource and money into actually supporting this phone because obviously the half the problem with uh, even huge brands you know like you know OnePlus only doing two years of android platform updates is because they don't have enough time to keep the development going and, and do, do all the things mm. they need to do like does fairphone have the chops to do that or i don't i'm not too sure i'm not it, too sure wouldn't the kind of modular design of it kind of lend itself more to like them releasing just an improved camera module at some mm. point in the future that you can swap yours out for or like a higher capacity battery that you could you know upgrade your rather than replacing the entire phone mm. just replace the components you have with better ones uh and i think that probably what i mean mm. as someone knows absolutely nothing about the hardware development <laughs> of smartphones i imagine that'll probably be a bit well, easier. i mean if it was if it worked <laughs> and like yeah like you say if um if they could develop a battery that's that's bigger than this one i can't i can't remember to hand how big this one is but if it was safe to do so then they could just you know release that but i'm not sure that it's a company that would sell more components because they're user base would be wanting to upgrade i think it's they're pitching it at least as more of a if this breaks you okay. can replace it rather mm -hmm. than the mm -hmm. pc thing like you're referring to that where somebody might want to just like jazz it up a little bit more because you can't you know you can't replace the the cpu or anything like that it's more just like the yeah. parts that could break no. yeah you could certainly see the battery being an obvious one to do though yeah. because if you know two two three years in your battery is knackered you want to you want to swap it out for a new one 
battery tech does keep getting better in terms of the capacity we can fit into the same the same volume. And you could definitely imagine going back in a few years and being like, oh wow, I can not only replace my battery, but you know, I can replace it with one that's mm. higher capacity, and that's just you know good for the environment in various different ways. And that's certainly the kind of change you up minor upgrade that would be great to be able to see going forward. Yeah, and also yeah. you could just like go on the website now if if you buy one, you could just buy you could just buy two more batteries because all you got to do is yeah. Know, yank the the plastic back off and the, you don't have to carry around a battery pack you can just carry around these slim little batteries um it's like the old days of android isn't it? <laughs> yeah exactly know, it's amazing i mean it's, the phone tease itself is like perfectly fine it's a 60 hertz screen um there's quite there's quite a big bezel um with like a an old kind of like 2017 style kind of teardroppy notch um so hardware wise i didn't really come across many issues but it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of also a phone that just made me use my phone less like I knew it doesn't have an amazing camera. It's perfectly serviceable, fine for video calls, the yep. front camera that is, you know, triple cameras on the back, but they're nothing to write home about. And you know, they struggle in low light, all the things you'd expect from probably a phone that costs half as much, but you're kind of paying to just have the peace of mind that you have this tool, really. I think that's kind of the thing that I took away from it. You just know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we review phones and we're like, well, okay, we're going to play COD on it for hours or we're going to go and yeah. try and take pictures of this gig. But with the fair phone, I was just like, it's probably not going to break and like, I don't know. It's just kind of like a, a tool. <laughs> Peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I will say that I kind of wanted to ask, which is slightly adjacent to, to, to the phone, which is, uh, again, it's like a, it's a decent Android phone, but it's only on Android 11. So whether or not it'll see a platform upgrade um, remains to be seen, despite the security uh, patch that promises. That was going to be my... Yeah my question around the software support yeah because security patches for years is great and that's an important part of it but yeah you definitely want to get some version updates over that time mm -hmm. as well i you know i, I don't especially if they're not launching five years yeah. but... i think it becomes more of a thing about uh if the audience isn't aware that they could get new features if their phone got a newer version of android should the company yeah. be pushing to give them that or does it not have to because it knows its audience is unaware? But by giving it security patches, they kind of like have the peace of mind that the, their, their users will be kind of like secure. Because I mean, you know, I think a lot of people who use Android phones don't realize that they're missing out on little extra features because they've bought one that no. doesn't get updates. And and I think even more so the people who are the people this is going to appeal to because at the beginning, even though I I think they've done a really good job here on this spec sheet of giving you what you need from a phone so that you don't you're not giving up a lot by going yeah. for this versus a, a less ethical option um but still there are compromises so the the people who are following android release schedules and know the new the new you know modes in every single version update they are not the people buying this yeah. phone yeah. for the most part the people buying this phone are people who are going to have that view of my phone's a tool i you know i'm not fussed about what it does i don't need it to be performing at the highest level so yeah, they probably don't know what's coming up in Android updates all the time. I think it's acceptable to not push a lot of Android version updates, especially if you are keeping up the security patch side. I still think I would really like to see a commitment to like at least two version updates yeah. or something it like must, that, because yeah. I think and it's, it's reasonable it's... To, to expect some, especially given it's already... I mean, I, it, it, 11 was the newest version when it came out, but now, you know, there's a lot of 12 out there. And um, I think there's just, it's enough of what you should expect from a device like this is that sometimes the software will be updated to give you new yeah. stuff that just should be part of the package, I think. I think if they're, in, you know, they're not on this yearly release cycle where they're not pushing a new phone out every year, they should focus a little bit more on the software side because it does give, you know, it not only makes it, stay competitive you know it's, it's fine now because most phones are on android 12 but when you get to android 13 it's like well now that's a two-year-old yeah. os mm. already i see what you, I see um, what you mean yeah it, it is also yeah it's, it's one of the strengths they have if, if the reason a company like OnePlus maybe struggles with with commitment to software updates is they've got to support so many phones you know yeah. when you have a massive library of phones and every patch you push out has to be tested against every phone in your lineup and that's 10, 20, or like for Xiaomi, that's hundreds of devices every year. Exactly, yeah. That's a huge software engineering job, absolutely like, incomprehensible. For Fairphone, it's, you know, they've got four phones. And <laughs> if they've already stopped supporting the old ones because they'll be on simple enough, you know, chips that they won't be able to run the new stuff anyway, 
you know, if they want to do an Android 13 update next year or whatever, they, they probably only have to test it against the 3 and the 4. Yeah. You know, so you would kind of expect them to be able to, to mm. make that work, especially since it, I assume the software is pretty stock. Oh, yeah. And Very so there aren't so. excessive modifications on their end either. There aren't any as far as I can tell. There's a few things missing that I kind of forget that I use quite a lot as somebody who uses mm. Android phones. Like there's no double tap to lock or wake. So I was kind of like, I didn't realize how much I just tapped the screen to look at the time because there's also no <laughs> always on display, you know, little things like that that uh, you might expect. There's a nice side mounted fingerprint sensor though, which is really good. Far better than on the mm. Xperia that I just, uh, just uh, used as well. Um, but I guess, I, yeah, I take your point on, on the, the Android updates. I guess it's because the company is making a phone, but it's also a company that has to fully facilitate the kind of vision mm -hmm. that it's making, right? So it's yeah. also, a, I probably can still consider it a startup, right? So I guess there'll be a, there'll be a financial constraint. But yeah, totally. When, when they give it to <laughs> phone nerds like us to pick into, yeah. I guess at the moment, Android version updates it's not actually important for this phone company in a way. No, um, I can't yeah. see it being their priority. I wanted to ask you about one yeah. more other thing as well, which I thought jarred slightly with their uh, kind of company mission, really. Um, they sell, mm. for example, so there's no, they sell separately a USB-C cable, a 30-watt charger, a headphone dongle, because there's no headphone jack on here. Uh, they sell them all separately, so if you want them, you can buy them, but again, not no e-waste. Um, but they also sell like roughly 100 euro wireless earbuds uh which i believe <laughs> one of the most you know disposable uh, electronics oh, out yeah. there and these aren't fairphone ified you can't replace the battery in them as far as i can tell and they kind of market it on their website like there's like an add-on when you go to buy it and you can add it if you want and they say something like you've already got a good set of wireless headphones you don't need these ones but if you haven't here you go no. So I kind of thought that was a... I don't understand why they've done that, given that the phone was presented so well, in my opinion, and is, does a lot mm -hmm. of the right things and sets out on that mission. But then they're also like, here are these things that in three years, the batteries will be dead and you'll have to put them in landfill. Unless I missed the part yeah, about them no being sense. fully recyclable. No. But I just thought that was an odd thing for the company to do, particularly as it was only their second pretty much like pillar. Like they could, yeah, yeah. in terms of an electronic product. I guess to to try and look at it from their side i guess they do say that the buds are similarly uh ethically sourced mm -hmm. in terms of the you know using lots of recycled materials and the same thing of paying people fairly along the way and that side of things yeah so i guess if they take the line that there are two bits of tech pretty much everyone's going to buy and that's a phone and some headphones then it, they're doing some good if they also make more ethical headphones and some people out there will buy those instead of buying yeah you know samsung or apple or whatever you know the, the in or random head random earbuds off amazon so yeah i guess there's there's a line there in terms of them them they, they can maybe replace what would otherwise be a worse purchase mm. by someone else yeah yeah but yeah, it's it's tricky because with little wireless earbuds like that, like I said, there's just no repairability at all in the same way. So they can't. It it doesn't feel as much like a pure fair, fair phone product. <laughs> I guess that's the thing. Yeah, yeah the company has the mission of being ethically sourced, which I suppose you, as you rightly yeah. say, those the, those are. But then it's just the modularity that I, I find really interesting and and kind of fascinating. And yeah, like I say, I, I took it all apart, put it all back together, and I'm by no means an expert in that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I say, I don't know who I would would say to buy one, and that's probably <laughs> my problem, not the company's, because you know I mm. review phones all the time, so not, we're, I'm drawn to being like, oh, it's you know, buy the one with the best camera, or buy the yeah. one that's you know the the best value for you. But I mean, this really is like a phone that should get a lot of praise and will do in my review, I think, because it is trying to push an agenda that um, other companies gesture at, but this one is actually doing yeah. it yeah yeah um and actually i'll say one other good thing i can say about the earbuds from their perspective i'm just clicking around their website as i <laughs> all right <laughs> i was i was about to be annoyed and i discovered they're listed in this different bit of the website but they do sell individual buds and the individual ah. charging case and the individual ear tips oh. so unlike with a lot of other rivals if you lose your one bud 
they do make it very easy for you to just buy oh, the left know. bud or buy the case so that you don't have to go and throw out mm -hmm. everything you've got and buy a whole new set. So that side of things is, is better. I know that is possible with some other rivals, but the vast majority of beer buds someone buys, if they lose one bud, they're going to throw the whole whole thing away and buy a new set, yeah. which Fairphone, they at least get around that. Yeah, yeah, good point. And yeah, so yeah, we'll see. I'll probably I'll probably fire them a few questions before I publish the review because like as we said we didn't get it the first time round and I'll just kind of query what happens if you buy it after uh, the thirty first of December warranty wise and just see if I get yes. anything out out of them about um, Android updates as well so we can mm, answer yeah. the questions we've brought up. <laughs> I want one quick question that ties into the Android update thing in a way which is just performance wise because that's mm. obviously one of the other big questions with this it's been a long time since i've used the snapdragon 750 yeah um it's a bit of an older chip and mid-series anyway is does it feel sluggish or does it feel fine because that's the, the basically the chipset and the battery are the two bits that will degrade over yeah. time and the battery you can replace the chipset you can't mm. and the chipset will also be a limiting factor in those android updates there's a point where they'll just be like it's too slow a yes. phone to run Android yes. 16. We can't put it on. I would say it feels slow, but I wouldn't put that necessarily down to the chipset. I think I'd put it down to it being a 60 hertz phone, which has like quite mm. uh, sparse animations, shall we say. Uh, and it takes like just an extra second to wake up when you put your finger on the fingerprint sensor. It did have this particular model. <laughs> when I first set up the phone, it would, the screen would go black completely after I'd had it on for five minutes. But then I did a full factory reset mm. and that never happened again and I've had it for nearly a month now. So <laughs> okay. I, I, I didn't Probably ask for another uh, one because <laughs> it's, it's like performed absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, and like I say, maybe it's because of the way that I'm viewing the product. I didn't like try and, you know, do a Zoom call from it while I was live blogging, you know. But like uh, I haven't come across many like hangs or, you know, between apps, it's been absolutely fine to be honest. Uh, but I think that's just the way that my brain was conditioned to, to test it out. In a way, it's kind of, it was been yeah. kind of nice because I kind of use my phone less. Um, I know yep. that's not necessarily what they were going for, but I personally, in my <laughs> phone use, have not have not uh, come across any kind of uh, any yeah. any deal breakers. Yeah, I, I don't think a phone's so bad you'll never want to use it. Is probably <laughs> probably not the pitch. It's not the hook. Yeah. No, no, no. That's <laughs> yeah. unfair on the phone. It was more it was more no, the totally. positive outcome that I found. Yeah, yep. and not through performance. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because that—that is my my only hesitation when I think of their their ethos really in their pitch is I'd love to see them do if they do a Fairphone five, I'd love to see the same kind of ethos but put in a really powerful chipset mm. such that it's giving it that longevity from a processing power side and, and yeah. feel like you know it's one of the things I you can always say when you're you're recommending a flagship to someone is at least like it's not. It's not going to get slow anytime soon. Mm. This is going yeah. to keep up with Android for a while. YouTube it will slow down, but you won't notice it because it's coming from such a fast starting point. And that's something I'd like to see in, in, in a fair phone is if they're going to prioritize specs next time around is be, put, put some as yeah. much as they can in, May, into the chip to give it that. that maybe they'll good. benefit from kind of the trickle down that we're seeing every year thanks to Moore's Law and just in general at, at places mm. like Qualcomm. Because if they could put you know, a rebadged whatever we were talking about, you know, the 870 last week being an 865. Because I, was I think, this, I, th yeah, I personally think Fairphone's hit its price ceiling. I think if this came out with yeah. a chip and it was like 700 or 800 pounds, like it's going to sell not that many of them. Um, mm. But yeah, if they, if they can benefit from that, maybe Fairphone 5 in a year or two, then yeah, I can see that happening. I, I really like the look of this phone. I remember I had a, I, I still have a good friend who was looking at the Fairphone 3 a year or two ago, and she loved the pitch of it, but I, you know, I was talking through the specs with her, and I, I wasn't trying to talk her out of buying it, but in the end she decided against the 3, because she's not techie at all, and she, she doesn't use her phone obsessively, but she just felt like it compromised a little too much in yep. terms of what she'd have to put up with for her to be willing to, to take that, and she was, she was disappointed about that. She really wanted to buy the 3. But couldn't quite bring herself through. I reckon if she was looking for a phone now, and I pointed her at the four, I think she'd happily go. Yeah, no, cool. That 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 does it now. Yeah. You know, the 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 quality across the board is just high enough now that if there's a compromise here, it there's no massive deal breaker. Compromise. I think I think I would agree, and I have a similar anecdote. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, yeah family members who uh, they both 
had a Fairphone too. They're very economic or eco-minded rather, sorry. Um, really appealed to them. They both bought the Fairphone too. And then they had kids and the camera wasn't very good. <laughs> and the Fairphone <laughs> 4 wasn't out at the time. And so they bought Pixel 3As and, and that's what has documented the, their kids growing up. Because even yeah. for, for those people who lived that life, like the, the camera wasn't good enough. So hopefully Fairphone <laughs> 4, like you say, is a it's, it's, it's much better uh, opportunity for those people now. Great. Cool. Well, I think that will do us for this week. So thank you both for joining me. We will be back same place, same time, all the rest uh, next week, though sadly without Lewis, who is going off on holiday somewhere. Are you going anywhere nice? Are you doing anything exciting? Uh, well, it's my 30th birthday on Monday, so I'm taking off the week and I'm going to go down to Claxton and enjoy the sun. Nice. <laughs> going to celebrate by watching the Xiaomi 12S keynote. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, we'll be back with our Lewis. We will be talking about the Xiaomi 12s launch because that will have happened between now and then. And also, the Asus ROG Phone 6 will be arriving on July 5th, the day after. So we'll have that to chat through too. So until then, bye for now. See ya. Bye.